we certainly can't live our life as things get progressively worse in this world just in our bunker no, protecting ourselves and myself and my family and not engaging in evangelism if we really believe that the lord is returning one day and that he will judge the living and the dead and that there will be a literal hell and a literal heaven a lake of fire yeah where sin and sinners will be judged then we certainly have to live for the advancement of the, of the gospel because we don't want anyone to spend an eternity separated from god From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome to the Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and the coffee engine upstairs. We are here with Pastor Ben Bufkin of Living Word Church, and I'm your host, Dominic Ferrone. We have a, a great episode for today, and you had mentioned last week that instead of waiting to celebrate, the hundredth episode, we would celebrate the second episode. So I brought for us some confetti poppers. You did. I did for (laughs) us to celebrate episode number two. I don't know if I've ever popped a confetti popper. So how do you do this? Point it away from face, pull hard. So this is where it's going to pop out here? That's where it's going to pop out. Okay. So episode number two, woohoo! Whoa! Yay! (laughs) That was a lot louder than I thought. (laughs) That is so awesome. All right. Uh, Pretty cool. This month's episode, we want to talk about the question, and it's a question a lot of people are asking about, and that is about the end times. We're getting questions like, what is your personal view on the end times? Are we in the end times? And how do we live in a culture that is motivated by the spirit of the Antichrist? That's a pretty deep question. And I bet you a lot of people like me have a very cinematic view of the end times, you know, like barren landscapes, nuclear wars, zombie apocalypses and stuff. But I'd hope to today to kind of pull away from Hollywood and let's look at scripture. Let's look at the Bible. So Pastor Ben, what about the end times? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And so many different directions we could go, but I guess I want to start with a, a definition of the end times. Are we in the end times? And so I believe that uh, post resurrection and post-ascension of Christ, that we are dwelling in the end times. For all of church history, uh, from the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 all the way until now, Christians have believed that we're in in the end times. The the early apostles believed that they they wrote their letters to the churches about the end times, that we were dwelling in the end times, and how should they live and and thrive and advance the gospel during those days. And so there's a lot of urgency. There's urgency uh, that they were called to live to live with because we're in the end times. The confusion is, is wait a minute, that's almost 2,000 years of church history. How, how can it be that we're in the end times? And I think it's because God's definition of time is different, uh, and God is a lot more merciful than uh, we know him to be, that he is long-suffering and patient and wants people to come to faith in Christ. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of different directions we could go with this, obviously, and there's even a lot of debates about the end times. But I think our goal is to move from the tiny office and the tiny debates of theologians into something that's applicable, like what is going to make a difference to the common person like like me. Um, so what would you like to discuss as kind of your big picture view of the end times? Yeah. So what we don't want to do, you know, I mean, I recognize this podcast will probably go a little longer than our first one because we're on the subject of the end times. But what we don't want to do in this 30 to 35 minutes here is to try to parse out the differences between the varying views of concerning when the Christ, when Christ will return, 
uh, or maybe the three main views concerning the thousand-year reign of Christ. Are we in the thousand-year reign of Christ now, or is it to come? Um, or there's different views about the rapture. Is there a rapture? Some people believe there is no rapture. Or if you believe there's a rapture, are we going to be raptured before the tribulation, in the middle of the, the, of the tribulation, or after? So we're, that, that could be another episode where we dive into those nuances and details. Um, but we're, we're not going to really have time to get into that. Right. Uh, so, so you want to, you, so you want me to give my personal yeah, view? Yeah, let's start with your personal view. I just want to say this on the front end before I give my personal view. Um, I'm going to give a big picture view. Um, I'm not going to go into the detail, but just a big picture view. And I just want to say we can have varying views of the end times and be brothers and sisters in, in Christ. And so just want to say that on the front end. So kind of big picture truth, big picture view, one through four. So here's the first big picture view of the end times. The Lord, I believe, will rapture his church before the tribulation period that, that we see. And that's what you would call a hopeful view. Is Very that, hopeful. Is that a view that you are I, interested I in? I hope it happens that way. Yes. yes. So I'm believing that before the seven-year period of the tribulation we see in Revelation, uh, I believe that First Thessalonians 5 points to the picture of a rapture. I believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation period. Big picture view number two. Uh, I think that the Lord will return for his church after the um uh, the tribulation period and so he will come back with his church and this leads to big picture number three which is that we will rule and reign with christ for a thousand years so you have the rapture of the church you have the second coming of the lord um, that will happen after the tribulation period and then we'll enter the thousand year reign of christ so you kind of have this boomerang this u-turn so we, <laughs> we, uh, um, before the tribulation we are raptured, then we return with the Lord after seven years of tribulation, and the Lord will establish his thousand-year reign on the earth. Then this leads to big picture truth number four. At the end, or right before the end of the thousand-year reign, in Revelation, it says that Satan will be released one more time. He will be bound for most of the thousand-year reign, but right at the end, he will be released. He'll be released to test and to tempt one last time, and then the Lord will will bind him, finally judge him, cast him into the, the lake of fire, and the Lord will destroy this earth by fire, and then he will create a new heavens and a new earth. So, big picture view one through four. And then uh, you have First John four, two through three. Yeah, so so I, I guess, you know, when we're thinking about this big picture view, again, there's so many of you that are listening, and maybe you were hopeful for uh, a lot of details of parsing that out. I guess the big picture that we want to come away with this is that the the Lord is coming again, and He is going to judge. Yeah. And in, in the in-between time before the Lord returns and He ultimately judges sin and, and sinners, um, there will be an Antichrist figure that will, will, will rise up, and He will come onto the scene. And what scripture tells us, and we're going to see here in First John chapter 4, that the spirit of Antichrist is present in the world right now. That the world in which we live in now is ripe and ready uh, for an actual Antichrist figure like we see in scripture that would be raised up. And so just listen to what First John 4 says. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. 
So there is an Antichrist that is coming, but there is a spirit that is at the heart of the Antichrist figure that is at work in the world right now. And so it's important that we understand that we're living in the moment and in the time, in the end times where the spirit of Antichrist is at work in our world today. And I think that's so important that we see a division between the spirit of Antichrist, which is at work, and some sort of coming Antichrist, the title of this world leader. And it kind of separates us from looking for um, news articles to put on the wall with red yarn and tacks, you know, and searching the news for who's this dictator to what's practical for today. No, we're living in the end times. The spirit of Antichrist is here. What are the tools that we need, you know, now uh, to live with a spirit of Antichrist in the world? And so it makes it, it makes it applicable. Absolutely. I mean, just look around the world. I mean, just thinking about first John says there, uh, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. And what is the spirit of Antichrist? He said there, it says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of Antichrist. It's rejection of Christ and his word and his gospel. So if you look at the world today, a biblical worldview is increasingly seen as hateful, mm-hmm. narrow-minded. Uh, we feel tension as believers, don't Always. we? I mean, we feel this tension in the world where we are holding to a biblical worldview concerning every subject, every matter of our life. And there's this tension in politics. There's this tension in the financial realm. There's tension in morality. Yeah. When you see the standard of Scripture as concerning right and wrong and morals, we hold to those as Christians, but the spirit of Antichrist that rejects God and His Word is everywhere. And so we see it, and we feel the pressure in, in our families. Think about you know raising kids during this time and the the increase of information that's out there that is against God and his word. And and so there's this pressure. And not only do we see the pressure outside uh, increasing, but we see even compromise that it's coming because pressure is increased in the church. We see churches that are compromising biblical truth, which is the result of leaders compromising biblical truth and standards of God's word. And so as believers, we feel the pressure that's increasing. We are in difficult days, and especially for those who hold fast to the word of God, you know. Uh, So you talked earlier about helping us all with some big picture realities uh, concerning living as believers in the end times. Uh, The tools that we're going to need in the end times and whatever way that that works itself out are the same tools that we need now and pressure and difficulty now. So what are some of those tools that we can give our listeners today? Yeah, it's so important because I think, you know, we recognize we're in difficult days and we feel the pressure all around us as concerning how we're going to live, the truth that we stand for. We feel pressure to compromise. And so it's important that we understand how do we respond when we're thinking about the future. We can't control the future. We don't know how things are going to unfold. You know, even Jesus said that he doesn't even know the day or nor the hour of his return, but only the Father in heaven does. And so there's so many unknowns about the timing of how the Lord will unfold the end of the age and the coming final judgment. Uh, So how do we respond? You know, I think 2 Timothy 3 1 tells us something. It says that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. So back to your question. The question we have to ask ourselves as those who have their trust in Jesus during these difficult days is how do we respond when we think, okay, I don't know when the return is going to come. 
I don't know when Christ is going to make all things right. I don't know when he's going to judge sin and sinners and make all things right. I don't know when that's coming, but how do I live now? So really, I have four ways we can respond that will help us to navigate times like today. So the first one to me is straightforward. I think it's so clear that first, we must resist fear and a bunker mentality. We have to resist fear and this bunker mentality of running and hiding. I think one of the scriptures that stands out to me as I was thinking about this is Matthew 6. Jesus gives us a command in Matthew 6. He says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour Hmm. to his span of life? Therefore, do not be anxious about what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? When's the Lord coming? Our days are going to get worse. Uh, you know, are there going to be food shortages, which we're walking in that time, right? There's food shortages. You know, uh, uh, what? Don't be anxious about tomorrow, and 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 evil is increasing, right? But don't be anxious about that, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, if we're not careful, we can reject this command of the Lord. When we're thinking about the end times, we're thinking about the increase of difficult days and the increase of evil in our world, and we can develop a bunker mentality. We can. Just mentality of, hey, I'm going to take care of me and mine. Huddle and down. We're going to be over. We're going to go find a bunker in Montana, <laughs> and we're going to we're going to grow underground, and we're going to grow vegetable gardens, and we're going to we're going to stockpile food and guns and bullets, and we're going to wait for it to get worse and we're going to protect ourselves. Right. Right. And so I'm not saying again, I just want to say this. I'm not saying that making preparation is not good and is not wise. I like vegetables and vegetable gardens and there's nothing wrong with stockpiling supplies and being prepared to protect your family when things get difficult. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, is, is who are we placing and what are we placing our trust in? Are we obeying the Lord's command in Matthew 6 to not be anxious about tomorrow and to not be worried about tomorrow where he says, don't worry about what you will eat, drink or wear? Or are we, because of worry and anxiety about the uncertainty of the future, are we preparing because we think that our preparation will will prevent us from suffering? Yeah, there's a great verse uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, and it begins with saying something to the effect of, I'm not going to tell you anything more about the end times. You know, like that's Paul's false thing. And in fact, it closes with the idea of, no, you, you have what you need. Be sober minded. In verse one and two, you have no need that anyone should tell you about the end times. You have no need. And, and even Jesus spoke to that when he spoke to the Pharisees. He said, you should be able to judge the times and the seasons, right? You should be able to recognize uh, what's right in front of you. And I think as Christians, it's easy for us to recognize, yes, we're in the end times, but what is our approach going to be? Are we just going to hunker down and bunker down and protect ourselves? But the truth is, is that no matter how much you stockpile, temporary provisions, no matter how many bullets and guns you you stockpile, uh, uh, you're going to run out of your supplies. Everything has an expiration date. It, it all has an expiration date. Hope. Correct. And so at the end of the day, when we run out of, out of our supplies, when the time when times get even more difficult, where's our hope and our trust going to be? 
And so that's whenever Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 says in verse 6 through 8, he says, be sober-minded. Live with a view of eternity in mind. And so this is a great segue to kind of my next big picture view of how we respond. You know, we, we have to resist fear. And we have to resist a, bunk, a bunker mentality because, secondly, we must live for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Got to live for that advancement. Why? Because Jesus, back to our my view of the return of the end times, because Jesus is returning. He will to, to do what? To judge the living and the dead. To judge. Look what Jesus said in Matthew ten. He says, "What I tell you in the dark, say in the light." And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Look at verse 28 of Matthew 10. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. That's kind of back to what we're talking about in Matthew 6, about this bunker mentality. Don't fear the fact that your body's going to die. Yeah. Right? So um, um, the end times are coming. Difficult times are here. I'm worried about food shortages and and worried about the the, the pressure of what's going to happen. Uh, are they going to come for our food and for our provision? Jesus says, don't fear those who can kill the physical body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body, both soul and body in hell. And so when we're talking about an end times view that I think is important, as Christians, we have to actually ask ourselves a question. Do we believe that people will be judged forever in hell? Yes. Do we believe that? And if we believe that, then we certainly can't live our life as things get progressively worse in this world, just in our bunker, no, protecting ourselves and myself and my family and not engaging in evangelism. If we really believe that our neighbor who doesn't know the Lord or our coworker, our friend, our family member that doesn't know the Lord, if we really believe that the Lord is returning one day and that he will judge the living and the dead, that there will be a literal hell and a literal heaven, a lake of fire. Yeah where sin and sinners will be judged, then we certainly have to live for the advancement of the, of the gospel because we don't want anyone to spend an eternity separated from God. Right. That makes our survival secondary to the gospel. Like the commission doesn't stop just because things get really hard, right? It doesn't get halted. All right. So this is a great opportunity in the middle before we move on to point number three to remind those who are listening and watching, uh, please remember to rate and subscribe. Thank you for those who left reviews. You guys left some great reviews for us last time. The more you interact with this post, uh, the more the algorithm will push us to the top and make us more visible. So definitely like, heart, subscribe, follow, rate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for all those five stars. Please keep giving Thank us five so stars. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't awesome. know if it's worthy of five stars or if you're just trying not to hurt our feelings. They love us so much. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, let's go on. So what would you say is point number three? And what was point number one and two one more time? Yeah. So, so big picture view. How do we respond with the reality that Christ is returning and things will get, as, uh, as, as Paul told Timothy, in the last days, things will get worse, right? And people will deceive uh, uh, more and more. Actually, that's, that's my next verse. So that's, Sweet. that's coming. This is so important here. I, I just cannot stress this strong enough. Be faithful and courageous in our commitment to the truth of God's word. Yes. So be faithful and courageous. Brothers and sisters, um, family of God, it's going to take courage to live during these days. It takes courage now. 
but it's going to take even more courage for us to be faithful to God's word. Look what uh, Paul tells Timothy. This is what I got swapped in my brain here. Second Timothy three, it says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, right? This is going to happen. Evil people and imposters, those who claim to be believers but aren't, they're imposters, they will go on. The world will go on and imposters will go on from bad to worse. They will be deceived and they will deceive others. But look what verse 14 says, 2 Timothy 3, 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, with the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Then verse 16 of 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God, it's profitable for teaching reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that we may be complete and equipped, right? So what he does is he paints a picture of things getting worse. Yes. But what's our anchor in this continuing downhill slope is God's word. Yeah. As for you, continue in God's yeah. word. Continue. Be steadfast. Continue what you've learned and what you believe. Hold firm to it. Yeah. I, I just I just want you to know that that it's going to be difficult to stand during the days that are, are to come. And I do believe that there will be those who will take this label of imposters that, that Paul says to Timothy. There will be more and more people that that seem to be in the faith, but as the pressure increases in the culture to reject the biblical worldview, people are going to walk away. And they're going to say, I, I just don't believe it anymore because of the arguments of our world. And, and so the pressure is going to increase. But as for us, but as for you, Paul says, continue, stay faithful to the scriptures. Stay faithful to, to, to the scriptures about what? About salvation. About salvation. How are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith through Christ alone. Christ is the only way to salvation. He's the only way. Um, I'm going to be preaching this Sunday, John 6, 44. For no one can come into the Father unless this, uh, uh, no one can, can come to me unless the Father draws him, Jesus mm-hmm. says. Uh, 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 Jesus also said in John that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him. That's a narrow view. Yeah, it is. It's a view that is not seen as attractive and tolerable. So as for us, we have to hold on to what Scripture says about salvation, about heaven, about hell, about marriage, about family, about gender. Yeah. Do you know there was, there was, this is a little sidebar here. I believe it was in Wisconsin. There were some junior high boys uh, as, it, as concerning uh, gender pronouns. Hmm. Um, they were charged with a, I believe it was a sex crime uh, because they refused to call um, a, a girl, I believe that the detail was a girl, they refused to call a girl by the pronoun they. Wow. And so they were formally charged uh, with a sex crime. And so that is a world in which we live. Yeah. And that's not going to decrease. It's only going to increase. And so we have to hold to what Scripture says about gender, that God made male, He made female, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're, we're designed by God. He gave us our DNA. And so we are created as a male and a female. And he did it right. He did it beautiful. He, he did it his way. And so those are difficult things that we have to process and work through. And, and so we must be faithful and courageous to hold truth, to hold to the truth of God's word. So we have resist fear, yes. vulgar mentality. We have live 
for the advancement of the gospel. Yes. And being faithful and courageous and committed to God's word. So what is number four? So number four is to rest in God's sovereign plan. And that's, I guess, the anchor for all of it. We have to rest in God's plan. He has a timing for all of this. And sometimes we can think, God, why are you leaving us here during this time? And I would imagine the early church felt the same way under the tyranny of Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the sure early they church that was, they were martyred for their faith and went through physical persecution, something here in the West we have not experienced yet. But I do believe those days, we may experience those days here. But you can imagine how they felt, you know, and so even just the pressure we feel now, we can say, God, why are you leaving us here? Um, I'd rather be home with you, but I think he's leaving us here because we need to advance the gospel. Yeah. Because we believe that there is a real hell and judgment to come, and we want people to be born again and to be saved. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, we have to rest in God's sovereign plan, that he is calling us to be here. Uh, and so he has a plan and a timing for all of it. So, you know, as we started out, I, I do get the question often, so so what about the end times? And Pastor Ben, what what is your end times view? So I gave you kind of my four points of my end times view, you know, about pre-tribulation rapture, which I'm hopeful for, and the thousand-year reign of Christ coming after the rapture, and the final return of the Lord, and and the destruction of this earth by fire, and the the creating of a new heaven and a new earth. I gave that big picture view, but but if I was to tell you even more of a distilled down view of my end times view, here's my end times view: the mm-hmm. Lord is victorious. Amen. He wins. And that's enough. Our God wins (laughs) in the end. And that's what I need to know to sustain me, that no matter the pressure we walk in, he wins in the end. Evil will be defeated. Sin will be no more. Pain will be no more. Suffering will be no more. Yeah. And that's a a plan we can can rest in. Absolutely. uh, That reminds me of a tightrope walker. Uh, named Charles Blondine. Maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. Um, he did a, a tightrope over Niagara Falls. And so he was way, way up in the air. And he would do crazy things. He would go out blindfolded or he'd walk out on stilts. There was one time that he actually took a, a small grill out and made himself an omelet um, okay. over Niagara Falls. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but one of his acts is he would, uh, or at least one time, he took a wheelbarrow and he went out and he came back. And he shouted to the watching crowd and he said, who believes I could put someone in this wheelbarrow and take them out and bring them back safely? And the whole crowd went, yay, <laughs> you know? And he said, all right, who's going to volunteer? And the crowd went, no, not <laughs> me. <laughs> silent, you You're know? crazy. No reaction. And uh, and so someone finally stepped up and did it. And of course, he brought them out and brought them back safely. And, and your point is rest in God's sovereign plan. Like when we talk about faith, faith doesn't mean that you have a leg out of the wheelbarrow and you're pushing. Yes. Faith is this, I surrender to the one who's in control, you yeah. know, and uh, the Lord is victorious. He's in control. God is the one pushing the wheelbarrow. And so I'll gladly get in the wheelbarrow because I know it does feel like a tightrope that we're walking, doesn't it, does, it? And it's noisy and crazy. Yes. And it looks scary down there. Yes, it does. And and but but we can trust that the Lord is the one holding that wheelbarrow. And I'll jump in it every time. Yeah. I'm trusting him. I don't know what's going to come. You know, persecution may come and and they may throw us in jail as pastors, Dom. Are, right. are, you, are you ready for that? Let's sing when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're going to stay faithful. So what, what I want to end with is this, okay? This is Revelation 21. Towards the end of the book, John the Revelator. Listen to what he says. It's, it's a few verses, so just, just listen and let it encourage your heart um, and just listen to God's word. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. 
and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Amen. Hallelujah. But it doesn't end with verse 7. You got no, verse 8, right? And so verse <laughs> 8, before I read verse 8, this is why we can't have a bunker mentality. Verse eight is the reason why we can't be fearful and allow fear to cause us to run and hide in the world in which we live. It's why we have, verse eight is the reason why we have to stay true to the truth of scripture. Verse eight is the reason why we have to not compromise the truth of God's word because it is the truth of scripture, the message of salvation that the people that represent verse eight need to hear. So here's verse eight. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Yeah, that's why the gospel is more important than our lives. That's why the gospel is more important than our view of the end times. <laughs> yes. Right? Right. We rest in God's sovereign plan and his timing. We don't run and hide in the bunker and run for the hills when things get difficult. We raise the banner high. We 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 are not um, a city that uh, uh, that that's runs in the corner. No, we're a city on a hill. We don't put the light under a bushel, as Jesus says. We put it on its stand so that the world can see the light, so that they can escape the the the, the fire that burns with sulfur. So we rest in God's sovereign plan, and He will be faithful to His word. So we must be faithful and not faithless. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben, for being with us today. And we were really excited to have done episode number two. Ep ep episode two. <laughs> we we did it. And, and I, I, I believe it will be an episode that people will resonate with. Um, and I pray that God uses it to encourage all of our hearts to stay faithful. All right. So we're going to resist fear. We're going to live for the advancement, of the, the advancement of the gospel. We're going to be faithful to God's word and we will rest in God's sovereign plan. The providence, the pillow of providence. The pillow of providence, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yep, that's good stuff. Thank you, Pastor Dom. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic or an idea for a future episode or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.